0: I commend you for that. You know, the, the, we're going to get into it here after. Actually, if we get... <laughs> we really are, because that's, <laughs> um, you know, what? C- can we just start and yeah, start there? Sure. Is that cool? Awesome. Yeah. Welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. Hey, I'm your host, Rick Jordan, and I am here today with...
1: Jennifer Fisher.
0: Yeah, Jennifer, what's shaking? <laughs>
1: just here to enjoy some conversation with you.
0: I love it, I love it. We were starting to enjoy conversation, and then I had to stop because I get, this is what I was telling you and warning you about, is that I just get too involved with everyone because I like people. And we just start on these conversational trains, and it's hard to get off, so we just have to start the show and say stop talking. All right, and let's, let's talk do it. It. Stop talking so we can start <laughs> talking. <laughs> Yes. We were talking about our kids and mm-hmm. going back and forth with that. You, you know, I have twins. You have a 20-year-old daughter.
1: And a 24-year-old daughter.
0: Wow. Hey. Awesome.
1: I'm a little bit ahead of you.
0: Yeah, you are. Just a bit. That's okay. That's a bit. I've been married for 18 years now. Okay.
1: I better get this right. 29. Yes. So, we're on, I'm on the same track yeah. then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> it's so great. So, your daughter was recently in, we were talking about martial arts, and my son, my nine-year-old, just started Taekwondo this week. Yeah. Which is,
1: I think may have been about the time she started karate. Okay. Now that I think about it.
0: And she has a brown belt
1: now? She does. Um, she went all through karate, got to her brown belt, and the next step, of course, is black. Yeah. And Kim and said to me, Mom, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore.
0: I'm done. And this is where I said, hey, we have to start the show because this is great. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because it, you started s- saying, hey, most parents would have just said, no, you're finishing. You're yeah. going to keep going yeah. through with it, right? It's like... Uh, I remember back when I was a kid, the whole thing amongst all the other kids was you had to learn piano or something like that, right? That was me too. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I didn't. uh, Thank God. I I picked up guitar when I was 12. And taught myself playing to Metallica, you know, which is still one of my favorite bands to this day, but self-taught and then became a semi-pro musician out of that too, because it just clicked and it was awesome. I love guitar, but I remember the piano lessons that all of my friends were receiving and they had to complete it until they got to their recital or they completed like whatever, you know, five years worth, or I I can't even remember, but I just remember thinking how stupid that was because their parents were forcing them to do something that they had no interest in. Your daughter obviously had interest for many years, right?
1: Oh, yeah. It was a long-term, probably five years. Okay. I mean, and I would, of course, had to drive her. Yeah. And then I would go next door. They had a little kickboxing class. So while she was in karate, I'd go next you door were to kickboxing. Kick, I was doing kickboxing. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, or I'd go for a jog, just something, while she was in her karate lesson. But I think, you know, you mentioned piano. I was one of those kids that was forced yeah. to take piano and um, didn't enjoy it. Do I play today? No, probably because of that. Um, but I, when she came to me and said, I'm done, I'm like, okay, if you're not interested and you've done enough, that's fine. But what are you going to do instead? Sure. So she knew she had to pick something else to keep her active and, um, doing something after school and another interest and a hobby. So she started swimming. So that was her next interest and carted around to swim lessons and swim meets. And, um, (laughs) then after that, well, let's try volleyball. So she played volleyball and then went back to swimming. But what's great about volleyball and um, even swimming is that you can do it the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, but I was not yeah. going
1: to be one of those parents that said, "Okay, no, you were," because she I knew she wouldn't like it. Yeah, she'd right on. She'd resent it. She'd resent me. And now she has two other interests that she's able to enjoy. That's
0: amazing. I commend you, and I'm sure you're patting yourself on the back right now because you should.
1: <laughs> well, thinking back, you know, I mean, like it was probably the right decision. But it's the same thing with my older daughter. Yeah. Um, she was. In a made-for-TV movie um, and was in a commercial when she was five. And when she was going to high school, it was a decision of, do you sign this modeling contract? Mm. And she said, no. I said, okay, then what are you going to do? So she picked up volleyball and played five years. Oh, that's fun. So, I mean, I let her be her choice for what she wanted to do. Yeah, But it was, you've got to pick something. And luckily, we had the means to support it. You know, cause right those on. extracurricular sports aren't inexpensive. Oh, but. for
0: sure. My son's a competitive swimmer. My twelve-year-old. Yeah. Really. Yep. He's in his fourth year now, and which is, they put him up in a Delta. Uh, they've got Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, in it, it's a team. It's a club. It's a private club, but they have had olympians come out of this club too so they have olympic grade trainers that are in this thing he's in his fourth year now and he's he's really liking it he always has you know and he even wants to help the alphas when they go for you know it's just he's always had those fun leadership qualities in him when he and he's only 12 years old but now he's going for an hour and a half five nights a week when he's home because it's just hardcore training at this mm-hmm. point but like you said the the expense of it is sky high because it's every year it's new equipment and because he's 12 he continuously grows every single day right, several right. times a day you know how many more trunks do we have to buy but the, not even just that it's the flippers because they train with flippers to increase the strength in their mm-hmm. legs and help them get their strokes down and everything get their leg work the right way and I, I don't even know all of it it's amazing to me how they move their bodies the way that they do especially butterfly
1: Can you even believe that? My daughter did I Am, which was all four, and I would just sit there, and today she can still do it. And I just, (laughs) I still am in awe at anyone that can do that.
0: It's crazy to watch your kids, isn't it? Yeah. To see the things that they're able to do.
1: Well, and I'm sure you're like me, where if you go to a meet, you have to make sure you pay attention because they're only in the water for maybe a minute. Exactly. And if you start talking you're to somebody, for which I know hours. you will, yes. and you're like, oh no, I just missed this, yep. this
0: event. <laughs> for sure. And of course, you know the, the for swim, you know that the, the bleachers or the seats are always up higher. Yep. And they have to keep those rooms so warm for the swimmers. So hot. Yes, because they're down below, which it's cooler because of the different. I mean, you, you wouldn't think 10 feet of elevation would make that much of a difference, but oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so hot.
0: Yes. It's got to be like 85, 90 degrees when you're sitting up yeah. in those seats.
1: So- and then did you go to the first meet and not know? Like, I went to time trials. Yeah, I had no clue. I had no yep. clue, and you had to bring like five towels, yes. food. You were there for like four hours. <laughs> right on. I thought you'd just go in time and get out of the pool. Yeah. I'm calling my husband going, okay, I need you to bring me X, Y, and Z. So novice, yeah, so right on. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you don't when you're
0: asking family. I mean, when they're coming to the big meets, you know, where the, or, or time trials or whatever else, you, know, you get there because you're the parents, and then you're telling all of your family via text message. At least now, this is what I'm doing, telling them via text messages because you don't know exactly when they're swimming right until you get there and you right, see you what get the heat, heat they're sheet. in exactly. exactly. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, love the bonding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the heat sheet. Yes, yeah. but I I, I love. It embracing my kids and their interests yeah, and, and and not forcing them to go. My youngest son, because I'm a guitar player, and when I when he was born, oh my gosh, I saw his hands and how long his fingers were because he my hands are, are large, right? But it's more so they're bigger than most men's hands, but especially the palm area, is really wide and really large in mine. He has that, plus he has my wife's long fingers. And my wife does play piano, plays it really well, and that's one of the reasons she plays it well, I'm sure, because she has long fingers. But he got both of our hands combined into one. And when he was born, I saw his hands, and I'm like, oh, just when he was Little seven pound baby, I'm like, you're gonna be a guitar player, you know. <laughs> so, so he started lessons nice. just uh, about nine months ago, but uh, no joke, this was just yesterday, last night, while we're eating dinner before I hopped on the plane this morning. Right, just last night, he goes, You know what? I don't want to do guitar anymore. I'm like, Dude. Why not? You were made for this, you know? I'm like, but I had to bite my, that was my inner monologue, right? I yep. had to bite my tongue <laughs> and say, okay, well, why is that, Alec? Mm-hmm. What, why do you hit? why do you not want to anymore? So we got down to it that it was just the tediousness because of how he was learning, and I compared it to how I did. I was listening to some of my favorite bands, and it was fun for me. I was listening to the music that I enjoyed and mm-hmm. also rocking out at the same time. He was listening to a lot of classical
1: Typical, uh, so typical. Exactly, Same
0: with piano. yeah. And it, at least the the instructor said, you know, who's your favorite artist? And his favorite artist is John Williams. But this is because, it, and he's legit with that. He loves John Williams because of Jurassic World, Jurassic oh, Park, right, Star Wars, right. you know, Harry Potter. You know, he's one of the the best composers, really, that ever existed. You know, the best modern one of the best modern composers. He's done all these amazing scores for these big epic movies, and he was starting to learn how to play the Jurassic Park theme. And for the first time in nine months, and it's like he's never done this before, but when he said, I want a quick guitar, it was not five minutes later that he goes up, grabs his electric guitar and his amp, brings it down into the dining room, and sets it up and says, I want to play my song for you. Never has done that before in his life. So it was like an instant shift from this is work to this is fun.
1: <laughs> Interesting, because when you have a lesson, yeah, that's work.
0: You got it, yeah.
1: And if you're being taught something you don't enjoy it's working Interesting right on concept yeah
0: it, it, it was I mean, this was mind-blowing this was literally just last night and then when he's playing I'm watching him and he's just looking at the sheets and for a nine-year-old because I got to this point after a couple years you know and I was playing a little bit different I was playing more of like a rhythm guitarist which is chords right versus lead which is or classical classically trained which is a lot of the individual notes where you can play the melodies or you could do solos or mm-hmm. whatever you want if you're listening to rock and he is playing the Jurassic Park theme, not even looking at the strings. And doing, this is difficult in guitar. This I, Did I can you say he's comp- nine? He's nine, yeah. I, I, I'm know i telling you, when I, he was seven years old, or seven pounds, uh, you know, yeah. zero days old, I saw his hands, I'm like, you are made for this kid. <laughs> but he's looking at, but now it's fun. So now I think he will continue it, because now it has become an interest again, which is what it started at, ra- rather than just, hey, this is going to be work, mm-hmm. and it's something that I have to learn things that I don't really want to learn about this. But I'm, I'm looking at him, and he's just looking at the music, but he isn't looking at the neck of the guitar once while he's doing this. And then he goes, hey, watch this. I'm going to close my eyes and play this. And then he closes his eyes, and he's just going crazy, playing the Jurassic Park theme.
1: So natural. Yeah.
0: It, it blew my mind. And you know from piano, right, how when you do octave shifts, it's some of the more difficult things. I play. A li- I like to say I fake a good piano. <laughs> I can't even fake yeah. it anymore. <laughs> I, again, an- not a lesson thing, but I just translated from what I knew from music theory mm-hmm. and then found the keys and I can play chords and everything. But when you do octave skips, you know, it's it's hard oh, on the yeah. piano to do this. But string skips are one of the same things uh, on guitar especially when you're playing lead, doing string skipping is more advanced. And the Jurassic Park theme has a lot of that because it's
1: classical music, you know, oh. from a
0: movie score. And he's doing this with his eyes closed. He's been so proud. Literally,
1: yes. You know, and <laughs> and I, write down those moments. That's my other tip. I know, yeah. Because we forget about them. We do, yes. And the quirky things our kids say, I wish I would have kept a book <laughs> of the quirky things they say when they're little because I can't remember them now. But it, it, we do have those proud moments when they grow up or do something yeah, we do. that's unexpected. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that's why we're parents.
0: I'd love to translate this because I i bet you didn't expect to talk about this today. But this is, this is what I love about the show is that we just literally have a conversation and talk about anything that comes up. But I was very interested in what you do because a few years back, right prior to getting married to my beautiful wife, I was working for a social service agency and I grew up in the tech sector prior to doing all this. I still have a tech firm, a successful cybersecurity firm in Chicago. And at that point in time, I was leading a a project team to develop an online application to gather more data about the homeless individuals that would go into social service agencies for their services. Mm,
1: Interesting. And
0: using that data in order to gain more Grant money from the federal government from the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent about two and a half years with this until the project was done, completed. We gained another fourteen million dollars because of the app that I built with my team, and then that that was it. Then I moved on. You know, because it was just project work at the time. It was right. from inception to completion, and then it was just done. But I got such an interesting insight when I would go in and just watch and monitor because I was. Even though the money for this project was through the county, it had to be funneled through a specific Mm -hmm. social service agency or a specific nonprofit. I learned a lot about nonprofit funding during those two and a half years. How things have to how the flow of money and how it has to Mm -hmm. happen through the five hundred one c threes. But even more so, I learned a lot about the individuals coming in and receiving services, Mm -hmm. and it gave me a different perspective too. And I would love to know because I've never had a conversation with somebody that and th- this is sad to me too that with somebody that really really loves what they do inside the social service arena there's a lot of disgruntled individuals that work for social service agencies which is very sad because it you know like I didn't know what I was getting into at the time I just saw a project and then when I started getting I'm like awesome this is really cool we can gain some more dollars to really help people to legitimately help people and then I started seeing things Like, and I know I'm talking a lot here, but this is what I do. (laughs) (laughs) And you're good at it. Yeah, well, thanks. (laughs) I started seeing things like, like, um, it was FEMA money uh, through the state, actually, where we would provide rent assistance through the social service agency that my salary was being paid out of. You know, again, county money funneled from the state, then Mm -hmm. funneled into this specific nonprofit so that somebody could actually write a check to the people doing the work. (laughs) And... When I saw individuals come in for rent assistance, you know, and they legitimately needed it, you know, whatever the situation was that got them into this precarious position they were in, you know, whether it was a lost job or just mismanagement of funds, whatever it was, they would come in and say, "I, I need help with this," and we would say, "Okay, sure, no problem." And I would see all this data, you know, or I would literally witness, physically witness these interactions. And nine out of 10 of them, and I'm not, that's actually low. (laughs) It's really more like 95 or 96% would say, never mind. When it got to the point to where this social service agency said, no problem, we would be glad to help you out. We have funds set aside for this. You need to come to a budgeting class this week. And then we'll plan this out. And then what, what, what budgeting class? And it
1: Case management.
0: Yeah, right on. They, their minds were blown that they had to do work <laughs> mm. in order to receive the help that they needed to. Most were really expecting a handout, which was sad. And it was it was staggering to me because it was about 96%. I remember this number. Yeah. You know, so you're really talking 19 out of 20 people would say, never mind. I'll get it from somebody else or from somewhere else because they did not want to go through the process. And I, you know, even though I was very young at the time, I was only 20 years old when, when this was going on, it, it kind of blew my mind because I was always used to working. You know, when my dad passed when I was 16, I had even been working. I had my first job when I was 15 working at McDonald's and always just going after things, you know, always had to be in a mode of building my life, mm-hmm. you know. And then I would see these individuals who, would walk in, and if it was just one or maybe two, you know, maybe there might be some, and I'm sure this existed, some mental disabilities that Absolutely. came into the picture mm-hmm. to where there, there just wasn't the comprehension or the ability to understand the process at that point, or mm-hmm. some things that some, maybe some grief counseling that needed to take place because of the situations. I totally get that, but when it comes to ninety six percent that would say never mind, just become because of a budgeting class. I started to think, well, how can we overcome this and bridge that gap? Mm-hmm. You Because know, at that point, it, it was, again, and this is where I started seeing the disgruntled workers in the social service agency, where they would just write them off at that point. As soon as they would say no, I'm like, oh, all right then, well, you're done. And that was it. Case closed. Right. Which also saddened me. So it was both sides I saw probably the bad picture of what you could see, you know, but then you see everything in the media as far as all the good that can happen. It's like, where, how do you bridge that gap? Because there's people that legitimately need help. And then there's those that have the ability to help through nonprofits or or whatever else. How do you bridge that gap when there's somebody that actually needs that coaching, that consulting to Mm -hmm. get them over that hump, you know, to, so and the purpose is so they don't get into this situation again.
1: Absolutely. You know. Right. Well, one of the things about our nonprofit Bellevue Lifespring is that we are a children's nonprofit. So our goal is really break that, that cycle cool. of po- poverty that you just described. Yeah. And so you're, you're dead right. It is a cycle, yeah. and, and it can it, be a mental cycle. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I listened to your podcast. You were a paycheck away at one point in yeah. your life. You know, I heard about the electrical cord down the side. You got it. Yeah. So, you know, you understand that it can be, like you mentioned, a job loss, a divorce, um, domestic violence, yeah. um, an injury. Anything can slip a family Absolutely. Into, that, into that cage. In Absolutely. In, a, in an instant. In right. A split right. Second, yeah. So, what we do is we have a team of human service administrators that actually meet with the families hmm and sit down and do a financial assessment to make sure that they are in financial need. And then they talk with them about what is the next step. Yeah. What we do is we provide a full month's rent to keep them out of um, experiencing homelessness. So that goal is to say, okay, we're gonna keep you stable in your home because we sure. want these kids to not be in their cars, in church, you know, sleeping on church floors, right unsheltered um, because that is a much more cost-effective way to end homelessness than it is to get people out of homelessness. So we're trying to prevent it before it even happens. Right on.
0: I I do remember that even, you know, that was almost 20 years ago now. But that prevention is really the key. Absolutely. You know, rather than trying to pull somebody out, it's more difficult to break the cycle because they're already in it at that point in time than it is to prevent them from even getting into that rhythm.
1: Right. And, And it's really about ensuring that every child in Bellevue has a place to call home. And when I say that, it's apartment homes. We're not writing mortgage checks. Sure. We're writing rent checks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's our first priority. Um, we also provide food to kids that are at risk of hunger every day. And that's a challenge in Bellevue because people don't think there's a need. People don't realize that there are 3,600 children that are going to our Bellevue public schools that don't know if they're going to have a meal that night. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's um, 18%. And just because of the affluence of our community, it's, we've got an extreme wealth and then we've got those that are struggling. And that number of 3,600 is those that we know of. Those are the families that have signed up for federal free and reduced price lunch. Sure. And we know that there are many more that aren't signing up because they don't want to either ask for help or are afraid of being identified. Yeah. And then there's those that are in the gap that still aren't making it. So we provide food for those kids when school's not in session. And that's when they get the free federal reduced and free lunch at school. That's awesome. You touched um, on
0: something which brought up yeah. another memory. Because I, I, I remember noticing even 20 years ago that awareness was a big deal, too. Because, it, like you said, the affluence of the community here in Bellevue. You know, I live in a south suburb of Chicago that's very affluent. And so the social service agency that I worked for was not in an area. But they covered – because Chicago's huge. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> ginormous. to where they had split this up – between three different social service agencies for the north west and the south the east those of you who don't know that's like michigan there's nothing there you can't live there so <laughs> even if you wanted to but you I, I, have
1: wards there too <laughs> political wards or something in the
0: city yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the where the money was coming through for the agencies that I worked for even though it was for the entire county these were the suburban ones so uh, Chicago is in Cook County, and then surrounding that, because there's uh, an agency in the city, but then the three that I was w- helping were the suburban ones. And then that was funneling back to the city level and the county level. So it was an interesting hierarchy, yeah. to say the least. But <laughs> it's a lot more bureaucracy in Chicago than there is in Bellevue, I can tell
1: <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but I remember awareness being this, because when we were in an affluent community, just trying to generate the – the support for this program, which ended up being very successful, to grab another fourteen million dollars in federal funding for Impressive. the community, it was awesome. You know, I was I felt so accomplished at, at that point. Uh, I remember someone just out of ignorance, and I don't mean that in a negative way, just exactly what the word means, just did not realize what was shaken down. Is when we talked about the went through the whole presentation, and I, it was. About, like, another shelter that we needed to build up, something that this federal money was going to be used for, you know, another homeless shelter during the cold months, because in Chicago it gets really cold (laughs) during those cold months. I've been there and it's really cold. (laughs) Exactly. And that
1: windy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So there's
0: a lot of shelters just for those who, for night, you know, and I remember one individual saying, Well, where are they going to put all their shopping carts? Yes, exactly. Your face right now was exactly the same face that I made. It's like you do not understand, you know. Or they they would always say, "Well, we don't have a lot of homeless people because we don't see a lot of shopping carts around here." That was the. (laughs) I don't know why it's just this stereotype and this stigma that they go back to having, you know, pushing around a cart full of just garbage and trash, and that's how they feel a homeless person looks like, you know, because that's what it's portrayed on the silver screen, uh, TV, Mm -hmm. everywhere else, you know. But awareness was a big deal to say, hey, if you go to these areas and in, the, in your town, in your very affluent city, you will see what homelessness homelessness actually looks like. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and th- like you said, you know, just uh, Bellevue, I'm sure is the same way because th- there's probably a cutoff point that I I saw too. So to where above a certain income level, you just don't realize that that actually exists.
1: Exactly, and to for a family of four in Bellevue, to just have basic needs you need to be making $80,000 to live here. Yeah. (laughs) And an article just came out in our local paper that said that Bellevue Now is the most expensive community to rent. And what I get is, why don't they just move? And I take a deep breath, and I said, (laughs) okay, your family's lived here for 15 years. Your kids are going to school here, and your rent keeps going up. Your husband loses his job, and you're a paycheck away. Yeah. If you can't afford rent a $1,000 with subsidy, how can you afford first month, last month, damage deposit, application fee? You got it. Do the math. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But these families are getting priced out of their community. Um, and we've got an affordable housing crisis and we've known it and the city's working on it. I will acknowledge Lynn Robinson and the city council and the mayor are working on an affordable housing plan. Awesome. But we're behind in the waiting list. Is oftentimes three years long, yeah. Um, And you talk about bureaucracy, bureaucracy. Excuse me. We at our organization, we currently do not accept government funding, so um, we're changing that. Yeah, we'll make that change in this next year. Um,
0: There are more limitations, of course, when you there are.
1: but you know, when it looks at city and county, there's no reason why we shouldn't be receiving funding because we're keeping families and children in their homes. Yeah, which then doesn't drain the resources um, on some of the other social service agencies. Yeah, you got it. Um, We also believe that education is the way to break that cycle of poverty. So we provide scholarships for kids um, in high school that need to um, recover credits, either they've fallen behind or they failed a class. And so they either need to go to summer school or recover those credits during the school year. Yeah. And that's a goal to keep them on track to graduate with their peers, because that's the first indication of dropping out of school is when all of a sudden you're a sophomore and all your buddies are a junior. So, number one, keep them fed, get them educated and through high school. And then we also provide um, college scholarships, $2,000 each year for four years. Um, and right now we're currently funding, I think, 26 students very cool, um, with college scholarships. But it really is about, um, like we discussed earlier, breaking that cycle so that these kids that are currently in dire straits yeah. can get on to a path to success. Um, and we're the first non-profit in Bellevue. We're uh, Really? Yeah, 108 years old. <laughs> no way. Yeah, we were formed on Hunts Point, huh. one of the most affluent in the state, if not the most affluent. And it was neighbors helping neighbors, women, um, were immunizing kids at the time, giving huh. away um, goats so families had milk, um, providing trucks for farming equipment yeah. to families. And we continue that tradition today as an organization. Um, of neighbors helping neighbors and really being local. Wow. We only serve kids living in Bellevue. That's kind of our, our footprint of service. I love the city.
0: I mean, it's a it's a huge tech capital, really. And you know, there's a lot that happens here, a lot of amazing innovation. But it, it it's blowing my mind that you said that you were the first nonprofit that was here because it's almost like a sight unseen is what kind of what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. you know, is that just because of the affluence of most of the city. That they don't realize that there's still needs like everywhere else. What's the? There's a movie. I can't remember what it is. Uh, th- there's like the perfect town. That oh, uh, yeah. I I don't know. I'll, 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 show, right? No, it's not the Truman. No, that's the weird one to where everything is. <laughs> I mean that that's one of them, right? Is but it was a uh, Stepford. Yes, oh, okay. that was it. But the but yeah, that was the one because underneath it, it looks on the surface like it's completely perfect and this is exactly where you want to live. There's no worries ever. But then when you dive into it, there's always junk. When you always turn over the rock, there's always dirt that's underneath.
1: We all you know? have a story. Yeah, exactly. Every one of us has a story, and the, it's different.
0: Yeah, for sure. The yeah. sadness, though, is that those who who might have been born into a certain level, which is nothing wrong with them at all, but th- they don't sometimes don't like to even recognize not just turning over the rock but realizing that there's a rock that's even there. No,
1: absolutely. We call that privilege. Yes. And I – talking about our kids, I mean, I – grew up in Pullman, which is about four hours from here, and was not in an affluent family, but we always had what we needed. And my two daughters went to Isquah High School, even though we live in Bellevue. And we talk a lot about privilege and affluence and awareness um, and making sure that we understand what's happening in our community. Um, I used to work for the Bellevue Downtown Association before this job. And I saw Bellevue literally grow up um, to what it is well, today, fun. and I saw the same wave of construction and development happening right before um, the you know we had the recession. So yeah, yeah. it's interesting that I've been in this community for 20 plus years.
0: Wow. Um,
1: yeah. So Bellevue is kind of my home. I was born at Overlake Hospital, <laughs> so I guess that's it's just my home and my heart. And now I'm able to help kids at. You know, are right here in our community. That's fantastic. That's what I wakes that. me up every day. That's what gets our team going, um, and we really want to someday be able to say that every child has a place to live, is fed, yeah, yeah. has clothing that makes them feel confident, and they have a pathway onto educational success. That's, That's really awesome. our goal. Not a bad mission.
0: No, not at all. No, I'm, uh, I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: we were talking about privileges a little bit, and. Well, right now, I'm successful, right? It wasn't always that way. I mean, you can listen to episodes of my podcast, and that's the whole purpose of this, is because 12 years ago, that was not the case. And I did not grow up in a home that had a lot of money. I never had an allowance growing up, you know, mm-hmm. like most kids might have. Mm-hmm. You know, n- Now, my kids actually work for the money, even around the house. And they volunteer to do more work because they realize that they <laughs> you know, there was a... there's a, a It's a reward system. It is, yes. There's a, th- I mean, it's capitalism, you know, and I'm all for that, mm-hmm. hey. But there's a... There's a Facebook group that I'm a part of. That's a financial group, and they were talking about, you know, just throwing out there, hey, how do you how do you teach your kids to be responsible with money? And I put it on there, I'm like, first, I teach them how to make money. <laughs> yeah, like that, because if you understand what has to go into making the money first, and understanding that money is really a tool. To accomplish the end results, you know, who can you could really throw privilege out the window at that point when you have that kind of perspective. I think so. You know, this has worked for me. This is, uh, I'm hoping it's working for my kids. It seems like it is now. But when you just look at money as a tool to accomplish a certain goal, you know, and thinking back to when I was with nonprofits and social service agencies, it, maybe that would have helped bridge the gap. Rather than saying money is this thing that you just pursue, no, you don't pursue money you pursue results. You pursue things in life.
1: Exactly. Money
0: is a tool to be able to do that. And, you know, the phrase that I have, it's on my social media accounts, all of this is make more money, do more good and have more fun. You know, and it's really in that order, too, because the more money you make means the more good that you can do. And the more good that you can do, you're going to be happier about that and see all the lives that you're impacting and uplifting and leveling up. You're going to have a lot of fun (laughs) when you're doing those things. Yep. You know, and I you're absolutely right. You know, r- rather than money is this chore and this o- this weight. I've got these bills and everything. Awesome. You've got bills. You know, m- maybe some of it was bad choices <laughs> why you have some of those bills, whatever. But use your money and make it have it work for you, you know, mm-hmm. as a tool. And I know that's a cliche when everyone says, you know, make your money work for you, you know, don't work for your money, make your money work for you, you know. I don't know if anyone really understands that because they're not looking at it, they're talking about investments and all this other, and interest rates and everything, usually with that with that phrase. Yep. But I look at it as just saying, hey, money is a tool. What do you want to accomplish in life? Who do you want to help? What kind of fun do you want to have? By helping these people, that's what you need the money for. Now how much money do you need to make to accomplish that good for everybody else?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I started working when I was 14. Um, I was cleaning apartments mm-hmm at Washington State University after the students left. Awesome. Imagine what that was like <laughs> when they all pack up and are out after Oh jeez. Yeah. And we would clean the apartments all summer long. Imagine in August when it's hot and all yeah. of a sudden this apartment's been closed up and yeah. So the, talk about hard work. And I rode <laughs> my bike and then I got promoted to mowing lawns. Hey. Had to ride my bike there and then, you know, got job at Taco Time when I could drive. So
0: Taco Time yeah, but that, my, that's a place
1: <laughs> it's northwest i want to yeah. go there it's right there's one in downtown bellevue a oh couple blocks away <laughs> it's all northwest all natural ingredients yeah we'll have to get you over to taco time we're going there Mexi fries this is
0: happening Mexi fries Mex-fries. what are these things
1: tater tots <laughs> on steroids mm. they're awesome okay just real quick crispy pinto bean burrito from taco time is the best thing ever
0: okay yeah we can cut that out i just need to like you... i don't care you leave it in we can talk about crispy burritos from taco time who cares We don't have sponsors on the show, so I'll talk about whatever I want to (laughs) talk (laughs) about. Jump in, I love it. Especially, there's a place in uh, in in the Midwest called Taco Johns, which is similar to that because they have the the little they call them potato Olays, which are tater tots. Yeah, and they put nacho cheese on them and sour cream and all these other things. They have a meat and potato burrito. That's why when you say taco time, I get all excited, you know, because anything with the word taco in it. Yeah,
1: it's just here.
0: Oh my gosh. I wonder if we can, you know, um, CMG, who produces the show. <laughs> I wonder if we can get the owners to go, you know, because it might not. It's not that. He- I'm sure it's not that healthy, you know. Although well, they use it, all natural ingredients, you like said, their right? salads. Yeah.
1: Are, yeah, because it's all natural. They make it all fresh every day.
0: Here I am passing judgment on them. I've never even fresh been fresh
1: ingredients. What I'm saying is yeah. I don't
0: care, you know. Even with my fitness level, that you know, because I dropped Cause you, yeah, yeah, I dropped a ton of weight. I Whatever. noticed that. I still looking on your food.
1: Yeah. And you say mainly you lift weights. Is that your primary? That's all
0: I do now. Yeah, Is that's it? it. I'll add cardio in here and there. You know, I can, oh, my gosh. I, I saw my doctor this week, and he was saying some stuff. You know, he's like, I think you should drop 15 pounds. Because I had <laughs> – I, I put on about 15 pounds over the past year because I started lifting heavier. And I looked at him with this strange face, so I'm like – do you want me to drop muscle mass, man? He's like, no, there's an area, of course, like everybody always has their little things that bug them about themselves, right? I'm like, because I've never gone for a six-pack. Because a six-pack requires just insane nutritional discipline. I've looked into it. You can't eat donuts ever. You know, I like an occasional donut. I like an occasional taco time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I say it as like a time of day, but now that I know there's an actual place called taco time. <laughs> there you go. Yes.
1: I've done the keto diet and lost 35.
0: Yeah, so,
1: that's I mean, good.
0: I'm happy that you dropped the weight, but that drops muscle mass too. Keto's yeah.
1: Oh. So now I'm going to Pure Bar. Anyway, back to that's that. that's another
0: thing because yeah, because carbs. I found especially because I lift. You know, I try to go low carb, and I, of course, you've heard of like the keto flu, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's a real thing, especially when you lift. And I don't go on keto diets, but when I try to go low carb for a bit, I've tried this a couple times, it just doesn't happen. This was like the whole, maybe I'll try a six pack thing, right? Because that's all nutrition, cut out your carbs, do all that wonderful stuff. But I feel like garbage. For several days because of that especially because I lift and I have a higher muscle mass than most it, that's just the way that it is well my doctor I'm gonna get back to this right I love the guy he's been my doctor for like 20 years now he's 70 something still not retiring you know maybe it's because he had a nurse practitioner this is a total squirrel, squirrel by the way but maybe it's because he had a nurse practitioner like a student with him or something like that he looks and he's like you need to drop 15 pounds I'm like do you want me to lose muscle mass and he goes well no I'm like, okay, then maybe I'll add in some cardio on my off days, which I do on occasion. I do that around the holidays so I can eat more food. <laughs> that's the only reason I well, I'm sure the he was just in. looking
1: at that BMI index. Oh, yeah, I'm which over. Is all, yeah, yeah, but that's the problem with yep. our the whole nutritional system is that yep. if you're just going to look at two numbers, that does, as you know, doesn't tell the story. You
0: got it, yeah. Like
1: my doctor that I'm going to now measures water, weight, ma- or, um, muscle mass, fat mass. That's beautiful. The whole yeah. You know, so that it's, you get the total picture. You got it. And I've only had yeah. that
0: done a few times. The latest time was last year in Vegas where I found out that I actually do have a l- higher than average bone density. I ha- I carry like an extra five pounds of bone or something like that than most human beings do. So my bones are just literally thicker, you know, so Good, it's not it, have it's osteoporosis. I know. Yay. Woo-hoo. But For this duty. So it's like, you get, I'm like, how about I add in some cardio and I'm, I'm going to be 40 years old next week. All right. My birthday is a week from tomorrow trying to think when my birthday is yeah it's a week from tomorrow I'm gonna be 40 and he's looking at me and he's like well you know at 40 years old I wouldn't do cardio I, w- I would suggest like taking a walk or going for a swim and again he's making me do this really strange face because I'm fit I'm in shape and I'm like, dude, I jump on a stationary bike when I want to do cardio. I do high intensity intervals and keep my heart rate at 150 to 160. Because I know my max is 220 minus your age, which would be 180 for me. I'm at 90 to 95%. I've had nutritionists. I've had fitness instructors tell me all this stuff. You know, Everybody has different opinions, of course. But when he's telling me at age 40, don't do cardio. Walk or go for a quick light You can do swim. that when
1: you're 70. I
0: know. <laughs> That's what I'm I'm like, man, this isn't happening. If I can curl 40 pounds, (laughs) I think I'll be okay on a bike. Yep. Or on a on a cross trainer or something like that. I'll be solid, man. But yeah, it's a I don't know if it, he was just trying to go like textbook because the doctor the, or the nurse practitioner was in oh. there and still in school, all this other stuff, but whatever. That's a wonderful squirrel. We have squirrels on the show. It's I saw a, that. Yeah, my, my brain goes into about twenty seven different directions a day.
1: Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel,
0: squirrel. You know, or even a minute.
1: <laughs> so that's what your squirrel is.
0: Exactly. Yes. When and you conversation get off. Got it. right on, yes. I'm hiring for a, an EA right now for me, you know, to try to keep me organized. But that was actually in the job description. I helped write some of the job description for the post, for the job ad. And that was it, you know, being able to handle the 27 new ideas that come in and different shifts in direction just on a moment's notice, but also keeping me on track and on the rails to get me back on Yeah, what I, I need mean, to be I, I do
1: my thinking in the car. Oh, yeah. So the minute I walk in the office, Shower. <laughs> it's like, here we go. Yeah. Are you ready? You know, and sometimes I'm the same way, like my brain won't go from A to Z. Yes. It goes, and so I have to explain, (laughs) because my team will look at me like, I'll get this look that's confused. I'll go, okay, here's how I got from here to there, and I have to add the five steps. And like, oh, okay. Like right now, we're getting ready for a big, um, our biggest event, which is our Uncork the Night. Um, It's a celebration of wine and giving. It's our auction and wine tasting. And... You know, it's two weeks, about two and a half See, you're weeks. You're doing from. more
0: good and having more fun at the same time. See,
1: totally, that's yes. what it's all about. and it's not like your typical auction. Yeah, we bring in club seats. There's 80 international wines. It's buffets instead of a sit-down. That's you know, fantastic. Chicken meal, and people are there to raise their bid card and support yeah. the community. It's yeah. it's really. It really is a celebration when of is giving. This? It's November second. Are you in town? No, oh, no,
0: I'm not that day. I'll be in Florida that day.
1: Okay, next year.
0: Next year, next yes. year you can
1: come. I'll invite you. But I mean, same thing. I mean, you know, everything gets so intense, and now yeah. it's time for me to hand it off to the team to do the logistics because a lot of my work is done. Awesome. And they honor. They honestly are almost like, okay, you can go away. Yeah. <laughs> Just let us do our part. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to. I need to know when it's time to That's stop. That's
0: cool, you know, and. I, I know how you said and this was actually in a good way because I, I learn from the experience of others and even learn from and I'm not saying you made a mistake anywhere, but I learned from the mistakes of others too. Oh because absolutely. I, yeah. I watched somebody else fall flat on their face, I'm like, I'm never gonna do that. And but one of the things that I've learned about myself now just over the past year is that even though I am a very, very good leader and I you know, I am a I am a huge vision caster. I can say, that we're going this direction, and this is exactly what it's going to look like when we get there. However, because of how my brain works, I'm not necessarily the right person to actually do the nuts and bolts with everybody that's there, because they will get frustrated with me, you know, I, just like you were saying. Yeah, you and, have to get out of the way. Yes, and I, on the tech side, you know, because I, I was an engineer, you know, I say was, I still can pull it out every time I need to, you know, and my team is still just boggled with that whole thing how I can still remember stuff from years ago but fine whatever if I start to tinker with some things I'll get yelled at now (laughs) oh yeah they'll keep me in my lane believe me yep
1: my team will keep me in my lane most of us
0: communicate via slack which is I am instant messaging you know internally but when I sometimes I'll ask a question like where is this found? You know, if I'm like looking through the settings on some advanced piece of networking equipment, I'll get a phone call from my number team like, Rick, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, no, they won't even give me access to yeah. a greater giving database. And they won't give me too much detail because they know they don't want me in there messing with yeah. it. So I that's get a it. good
0: point, though. But understanding how to lead a team is not the same thing as actually necessarily running the team.
1: Yeah, you don't have to do it all.
0: Yes, there are others that are really really good at that. Rocket Fuel. I don't know if you've ever read that book. No. Amazing book. Get it. I'll add it's it's, a, list. it's a, actually a quick read. Uh, Gino Wickman is the author. It talks about visionaries and integrators and how really, you know, everyone thinks that the entrepreneur is like the guy or the woman, you know, like the rock star or the hero, uh, you know, whatever it is, but they they're the ones that lead the world, right? And really, that's not the case. It's the integrators. The people that do the nuts and the bolts are the ones that rule the world because we're all over the place. I say there's a circus in my head all the time. <laughs> yes, I have good ideas. Yes, I can see what the end result looks like before we're even there and chart a course. But I'm not even getting there if it wasn't for my team.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: That's why I appreciate everybody that works for me. And, oh, me and, too. And, oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. And everybody's got their expertise, yeah. and I just need to let them let them do what they're good at. Yes. And, you know, we talked about mentors. Oh, yeah. I have had incredible mentors. And I honestly have had people that have seen something in me that I did not see in myself. That's so great. So I always want to carry that forward with my team and say, yeah. okay, you know, how can I help you be your best? Because I had other people that did that for me.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Do you work in a mentorship program right now to where you mentor others?
1: Um, I don't, but I do it when, obviously, when people ask, you know, do you have time for coffee? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. All the time. They'll send me their resume. I'll I'll take the time to give them ideas. I'll make connections. um, Anything I can do, because that's that's the only way that I know that I can give back for those that gave back to me in my career, Sure, quite honestly.
0: I've learned, too, because I'm launching coaching programs on my own now at this point and that that's part of the event next year because it, where I was 12 years ago I almost feel obligated and that's one of the reasons I do the show is because there's coaching you know we're like almost 40 something episodes in right now I think something like that there's amazing free coaching I mean even in just this episode here and all the past episodes for anybody that listens it's for little nuggets they can pull out you know there's even the one thing that we have which I'm going to ask you for in a bit I don't know if you were told about that or not but <laughs> uh, surprise <laughs> but that's the free coaching, but now I also have learned too that free only gets you so far when it comes to coaching. You know? And that's why I used to give everybody as many sit-downs, coffees, or whatever, phone calls, as much time of day as possible. And I started to realize, and this is bringing the whole show full circle too. <laughs> it really is. Just like the social service agency 20 years ago to where they only wanted to go so far. You know? And I noticed that, to where individuals have to understand that they need to invest in themselves.
1: Absolutely. You are so right. And I didn't for five years. Yeah. And finally this year, that's when I said, okay, I've got to make time for myself. Yes. And I'm a better leader. I'm a better wife. I'm a better mom. um, By spending that time and investing back in myself.
0: You got it. Part of my pitch, if you want to call it that, has to do with money, spending money on yourself, you know, hiring a coach, you know, rather than just expecting things for free because mm-hmm. you're gonna get a higher level of accountability, a higher degree of support, you know, everything that comes with that. And you'll get the best of the best when you actually pay for the best. Mm-hmm. But when you circle it back around at the beginning of the show, investing in yourself could be just as simple as going to a free budgeting class to get that rent assistance. Yeah. For the first time. Yep. Spending that time to learn to, to increase your knowledge so that you can either lift yourself up out of a situation or prevent a situation from happening.
1: Mm-hmm. You're right.
0: Wow. I like that. <laughs> well, what is your one thing to leave with our guests today? Because we've had a lot of little nuggets along the way. but w-
1: I think what we just talked about is investing in yourself and giving yourself the time and the energy that you deserve so you can be your best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I, like I just said, it took me some time to get back to that. You know, I had a new job, so I quit working out. I just stuck my head in 100% and now woke up and went, whoa, there was a cost there. Yeah. And when you do take care of yourself, you're able to care for others. And so that's really, I guess, my takeaway is care of yourself. So, care for yourself so you can give back and and find that one thing. For sure. Where you can give either your time, your money, or like you said, your talent and coaching. Yeah. And find out what that is and do that one thing that's going to make our community stronger by by your gift. So thank you for the time today.
0: No, thank you. This has been fantastic. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out every Monday. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan and I approve this message.
1: How long are you in town?
0: Uh, through Sunday. Sunday morning I go home. Yeah. Got it. I come out for a few days at a time, or sometimes longer. And when's your party
1: network or your conference that you're putting together? June. Your room. Yeah. I listened my room. it's interesting. <laughs> I filled out the form. Yeah. And then listened to your podcast. Oh fun. And I'm like, he talked about learning about mentors which i went oh my gosh that's <laughs> the only reason why i'm why i'm here right on because of mentors oh.
0: yeah you got and it and
1: learning and yeah
0: be i'd be a schlub if i didn't have coaches or mentors a schlub.
1: A yeah schlub. i would never be schlub. in the role i'm in now yeah <laughs> <right. Do> you,
0: <laughs> that word is uh, have you seen mr deeds it's an older adam sandler movie yes. and it, yeah schlub is one of his it's in one of his poems Oh my gosh. That he writes.
1: Not heard of the word schlub? Sh-
0: schlub? Schlub? That's where I heard of the schlub. word. It was from Adam this is Sandler, like a yeah. Mic check. Yeah, it is. Schlub. 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 We have all the sounds schlubbing. in that one word. Let's go schlubbing. <laughs> schlubbing? Let's go schlubbing. <laughs> Let's make
1: it an action.
0: It's going it to happen now. Down? Yeah. Well. yeah. <laughs>